Hello, Jack. Hey, good afternoon, Adam. How are you today? I am fantastic. Yourself? Good. I'm fighting the battles accordingly. So <laughs> it's a good day so far. That's all right. Battles are not always a bad thing, right? They help to uh, help to sharpen us and make us good. So uh, hey, we got a we got a special show today, don't we? We got we a do. visitor. We do. We like to have visitors here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business, and uh, um, we, we have a visitor today coming all the way from Texas. Actually, uh, you know, currently in Texas, but by way of other parts of the world before that. But uh, we're gonna bring on Peter White of Abstract Ocean. Uh, Peter, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us today. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Hello, Peter. Hey, how are you, Jack? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. And yeah, my tech, my my Texas accent is still being worked on. So uh, that's all right. Somewhere over the Atlantic at the moment, I think. <laughs> that's all right. Well, we're excited to kind of talk today. The, 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 the title, the working title of the show we're talking about today is called Turning a Hobby into a Business. And so uh, when Pete and I first met uh, months ago, I was fascinated by his story. He tells it well. Um, uh, it's a very, uh, what we hope, to, hope you'll find to be a very inspirational story in terms of how how we got to Abstract Ocean. But before we get into Abstract Ocean, kind of what's going on there, why don't you just introduce yourself to our, to our audience a little bit, Pete. Give a little background, kind of, you know, kind of where you grew up, your schooling, your kind of work history, and then kind of your, your move to the U.S. and all kind of, just kind of give a little bit of history in terms of kind of how you kind of got where you are, and then we'll kind of delve, delve a little further into that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously, originally, I'm from um, the U.K., so I was there until um, kind of 2007, 2008. Um, you know, my, my whole career, essentially, from when I started was in IT of one sort or another, um, worked for a big retail bank over in the UK, then kind of moved to a vendor to the retail bank. And that's sort of what eventually brought me to, to the US. Um, we actually spun up um, and timeframe wise was sort of um, early 2000s now, we spun up a break fix business for Dell in EMEA, um, sort of under the umbrella of a, of a corporate parent over here in, in Dallas in Irving, um, but essentially, a, you know, it's its own entity. And it started small just in the UK, then it spread across Europe. Um, I think at its height, we were employing um, about 600 people. Um, it was going pretty well. And this is back when, you know, a PC would still cost $1,500 to $2,000. Um, and you would probably buy a warranty with it as well for, for your on-site support with an engineer. So that was kind of the core business. But um, the parent company eventually decided it's time to divest that because it wasn't aligned with sort of their um, long-term strategy. And that's really what brought me to the US to help divest the company. Um, and then while I was over here, and that, you know, that, that process obviously takes um, months or years, but while I was over here, I kind of got stuck into some other IT things for the parent company, um, met my um, now wife, um, and I, I stayed over here essentially. So it's, it's very much a, a very um, sort of simplified version of events, but that's sort of what happened. But um, just a, a lucky chance that brought me over here and I ended up staying. Okay, that's good. So you, you, you've had exposure to worldwide, you've had exposure, you know, being in IT involved a lot of parts of the business as well, I got to believe. And, you, you know, you mentioned when we talked to you, you've had experience with dealing with private equity firms. Again, so you had a chance to kind of see stuff and the goods and the bads and, and uh, you know, just, just be aware of business in general. And uh, so was the idea or the thought of having your own business, was that ever something that was on top of your mind, something you were pursuing or thinking about, or is this something that just kind of kind of happened to you, Pete? You know, I don't think it was ever on top of my mind, but I think it's always been in my mind. Even going back to, you know, when I was at school, I would always do, you know, two paper rounds and I'll be the guy writing the address at the top of the, the newspapers as well. So I'll be getting up at 4.30 in the morning, you know, an hour before the other suckers roll up on their on their BMXs back then to deliver the papers 
So even back when I was doing it, you know, my first job um, was a shift job. So two weeks out of three, I was working um, evenings or nights. And during the day, I'd have a car washing firm, um, a window washing firm, just all kinds of businesses that sort of, you know, didn't go anywhere in particular. Um, but, you know, the claim to fame for the car washing firm was that I used to wash the car for a guy called Alan Sugar, who was um, who um, hosted The Apprentice in the UK. Very different character to, to the guy that hosted The Apprentice over here. But um, it was still, you know, it was a, it was a business. It's just something to kind of um, occupy my time, I think. I'm definitely not the kind of guy that can just sit down, you know, Netflix and chill. They'll, they'll never be me. Or at least I hope it will, will never be me. That's okay. That's a that's a common part for our for our audience and for many of the entrepreneurs we know as well. They don't do very well at just sitting still and kind of twisting, you know, twiddling their thumbs, so to speak. It's uh, always seeing opportunities. So yeah, so so you've always kind of had a version of that where you, you've always kind of enjoyed doing your own thing and and kind of you know you don't need to be told what to do. You kind of just you kind of just do stuff. And uh, okay, so it's kind of been there. So all right, so. Let's fast forward a little bit. So, so, so you moved, moved to the U.S. in 2007. Let's fast forward a little bit to like 2012 to 2013 timeframe. That's when you, you first became aware of kind of this electric vehicle market through through Fender years, who was, who was getting a Chevy Volt. So let's talk a little bit about how you kind of discovered that whole EV market, and, and we'll kind of delve into Abstract Ocean here and kind of the, the, the creation there as well. Yeah, so back then I was running the essentially the Microsoft stack for the company I was working for, which is what I've been doing for you know 20 years, right? So 365, Exchange, Teams, all that good stuff. Um, and one of my Exchange admins, he just bought um, Chevy Volt. I knew nothing about EVs back then. And this is probably maybe mid-2012, I guess. Um, and it was him that mentioned, hey, have you heard about this company called Tesla? Um, and I, I didn't know a thing about it. Um, you know, up until then, I've been pretty much driving Audis or Mercedes, you know, that, those kinds of cars. Um, but I did a bit of research. It looks super interesting. There's a movie uh, or a documentary, I guess, out there called Who Killed the Electric Car, which kind of goes back um, to the history of the original EV1 that GM had. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a fascinating watch, but it also kind of, um, it's, a, it's a documentary of the early days of, of Tesla, you know, when Elon was, you know, kind of literally in the back of a garage trying to get the, the original Roadster out the door. Um, and it's just a fascinating insight into the company and into, into Elon as well, of course. And at that point, I kind of became a fan um, and decided to go ahead and put a deposit on a Model S. Um, I think back then it was either 2,500 or 5,000 bucks. So it wasn't a, a trivial decision. Um, but, you know, my whole life I've been a gadget freak. Um, so this, this at the time was kind of the ultimate gadget, right? Um, just a, an iPad on wheels for, for one of a much better term. So sight unseen, put the deposit down in 2012. Um, the car eventually arrived in, um, February of, of 2013. <coughs> um, but between then, because, you know, Tesla can't resell in Texas, they still can't because of the Aston dealership laws here. Um, we actually flew to Miami for the test drive, um, test driver a brown Model S, which is now a bit of a, a unicorn. They, they stopped that color about a year later, I think. Um, but it was amazing. You know, it was literally a 10 minute drive around whatever test track they had. I barely remember anything about it. Um, I just remember just the wow factor, which, you know, even now you get that if it's, if it's your first drive in a, a Tesla or any electric car. <laughs> but certainly back then, this was like, you know, witchcraft. It was just crazy to experience. Um, so, yeah. So, so that'd be a little bit, you know, I would say unnerving, but again, you, you already made the, made the deposit. So you're kind of going there to test. It's like, well, let's test, let's test right what, what we already kind of bought. Hopefully, hopefully it goes well. Right. So it sounded like it did go very well. And it, it, it was almost everything you expected plus more. It sounds like. Yeah, it was. And I think, you know, s sounding a bit old now, but you know, the older you get and the more, um, 
sort of precious time becomes you kind of you know you, you think experience is the thing right you want to try and you know just take a take a jump every now and then and that was you know I'm never going to jump out of a plane or do anything stupid like that but certainly for for us just kind of essentially putting a deposit down on a car that may never even launch because at that point Tesla's future was by no means certain you know that only really sort of sorted itself out in in maybe 2019 or 2020 but um but yeah it's just a crazy crazy upside of a company with a crazy car um you know arguably the american dream right you know an immigrant starting a car company in america first successful car company for decades um so it just seems like something to to invest in right that's an awesome uh, that's an awesome story and for folks you know to your point it's a good history lesson too because you know teslas are so prevalent now right to your point the idea of you know making a deposit sight unseen the fact of having to fly a thousand miles to get to go test drive one again just seems like a foreign thing but it was less than a decade ago in terms of how things are kind of going and so so yeah so so part of that though uh, part of your time of kind of doing the research and, uh, and getting involved um you'd started getting involved in some different forums in terms of different discussion groups around they're online and so you know these folks who were, who were involved in teslas or interested in teslas were online talking about stuff and you discovered something you know when you got your first tesla just you know in terms of the the, the functionality or lack thereof starting with the key right so talk a little bit in terms of how this is kind of the genesis for abstract ocean getting started it kind of is yeah so you know kind of going back to 2012 that sort of time frame you know that the market for a Tesla was pretty niche. You know, most people didn't know what what or who Tesla were. Um, you know, they still don't advertise to this day. So it's still still a brand that's kind of, you know, just built off of its own momentum. Um, but back then, you know, Model S, Model X buyers, uh, you know, you could count them, you know, in the thousands. And they were just on the forums, just waiting for their cars to appear. So, you know, everyone kind of got bored. Everyone just, you know, just ends up talking about the faintest rumor that shows up on on Twitter or whatever it was. Um, then a few of us, you know, kind of redesigned our, our garages or garages, you know, into little Tesla shrines with the logo and the Tesla red paint and just, just stuff to keep you busy and kind of keep you in the, in the vibe. Because back then it was, you know, borderline fanatical support. And to some extent you still see that out there as well. Um, so the forums were a really active place, but actually not a lot of substance to what was being discussed because there's only so much you can talk about with two cars that may eventually come out. Um, but it built a strong community and I've kind of, you know, I've, I've done my best to maintain that even as the company has grown. Um, you know, I think it's an important part of it. I've, I've always said that, you know, this, this business started out as a hobby myself and my wife are still Tesla owners. And first and foremost, that's what we are. We're Tesla owners that, you know, got lucky with this, this sort of side gig that turned into a full-time job. But, um, but, you know, we are fanatical about the brand. And I think, you know, one of the key messages is, you know, if you can follow your passion, um, then that's that makes it so much easier. It makes you know the the long nights and the weekends and everything else you sort of sink into the business um, far more worth it um, than perhaps if you just if you're just doing a job. And I think that's a, a key difference. Excellent. And so so you know people often have these these ideas in terms of hey it's a, this well thought out new product launch things that, that we're going to do. But you started with something mm -hmm. very simple, which was you know, that, that we all have. It's it's a car key and talk about. How is a Tesla car key? You know, is it is it pretty handy? You know, how is it? Yeah. Get it? <laughs> so you know, I, th I think certainly in the early days of Tesla, you could accuse the Model S and to a large extent the Model X of being cars designed for Elon and his family at the time. So um, there's a lot of idiocracies with the car or idiosyncrasies with the car, um, including the key. So it's just this little black shiny key fob, kind of a vague representation of the shape of the car. 
um, but it's, it's shiny, it's slippery, you can't hook a keyring onto it. So um, that was kind of, and this was being discussed on the forums, right? All of our ideas, all of our, or many of our product ideas come from other Tesla owners because they're the ones that feel the pain. They know the cars better than anybody. Um, so we just had a few made, or I had a few made locally, just had a neoprene to just sit the car key into and it'll have a little rig on it. And that's great. You can, you can hang it on your keychain. Um, and they sold out, you know, more or less overnight, or in fact, before we even got them. So then we made some more, and then we made some more out of uh, silicone rubber, because thought, well, that's a good idea. It's a little bit more waterproof, a little bit more resilient. And then we made some out of leather, then we went to vegan leather. Um, and so this was kind of the, the genesis of the company, really. It wasn't ever designed, or the intention was never to turn into a business at all. It just kind of morphed into, into something that the, the sort of market demanded, and I enjoyed it. And... You know, I was still working in IT at the time, and I've always said that you know I, I kind of have to um, address a creative urge I have going on in the background, and there's not much that's creative in IT, right? It's an entirely logical function most of the time, or at least it should be. So, right. um, having that creative outlet really kind of kind of helps keep me engaged on on both fronts more than anything. Well, it's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> you, you kind of mentioned when you, when you mentioned the whole Tesla being created for Elon and his family, right? So, and here you are, you're creating a, a solution to the key for you, right? And it's often the the genesis of this stuff. It, it's 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 um, you know opportunities in the market that exist. That you know, the question who who's going to fill it? So you know, you and Crystal decided to kind of jump in and do something about it, and kind of try it out. But again, to your point, you're just doing because hey, we need it, and said hey, if we're going to make one, maybe maybe we. we we make 50 of them, see, you know, kind of see what happens, right? And all of a sudden, you're okay, those 50 are gone, are gone overnight. Okay, what's going on here? And so, so, so you started that with, with, with one item, but, you know, over the next several years, it started to go to, to, to more and more items. But you and Crystal are still working your day jobs, right? You, you, so you, it's only you, you kind of stop and, and you quit and cut, you go full time, but it started to, to evolve. And, and you, you were touching before uh, on kind of where you got a lot of your ideas from is being on that forum and just seeing what people are talking about. So, that, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things that we talk about a lot, Pete, in terms of marketing and, and, and doing market research. And it takes a lot of different forms. What you're talking about is, again, and, and so for, for those of you listening, if you have an, an ability, you know, if you have, you know, forums online, LinkedIn groups, there's ways for you to kind of get with your audience, right? So, you know, what Pete's saying is that you got in and all of a sudden, all the ideas are there, you know, in terms of what people are complaining about, what's kind of going on. So it's a matter of, are you listening to your audience to kind of figure these things out? And so, you start with one simple little product, you know, you give us a sense over, over these last eight years now, how many different products, how many different SKUs have you, have you guys grown to just give people a sense for the scale right now? Sure. So the early years, so which I kind of call, you know, 2013 through to 2018. So before Model 3 and Model Y, the mass production vehicles launched, um, you know, the Model X, Model X community was still fairly, you know, tight knit. Most people knew everybody. Um, and, you know, so the, the product evolution was slow. We had, little to no competition there's you know a couple of other companies in the us and we you know back then we got along pretty well we sold each other's stuff and stuff like that so it was, a, it was still a community even at the business level it was still a community um so we evolved from um you know the the fob pockets to screen protectors you know the heart and soul of every tesla is of course the giant screen in the middle um so it made sense to make a screen protector for that and then one of the other big misses that Tesla still persists in doing is, is lighting in the cars. It's still pretty pathetic. Um, so there's a, there's a big market for that as well. And I knew nothing about manufacturing or anything else. You just kind of, you know, get on the internet and, and try and source suppliers. And we, we got lucky with our lighting supplier. They actually manufactured for a, a major German OEM. Um, so they, they started making lights for us. And we've been selling those since 2014, I think. And we sold 
um, last last count, more than three hundred and fifty thousand of them. So they're they're incredibly popular, and the return rate is is almost zero. So it's been a great product for us. Um, but when twenty eighteen came around, obviously Model Three launched. Um, that's when the dynamic of the business, the community, just everything changed because you know Tesla are no longer selling you know five thousand vehicles a, a month; they're selling tens of thousands of vehicles. Um, so the demand goes up, the, the hunger for accessories increases dramatically, um, which is great. You know, that increases our, our sort of addressable market. It also in increases our competition as well. So that's something we've had to keep up and compete. Um, and that's where we've been adding more and more products. So I think right now we're at about 210 SKUs and there's variants, you know, color variants and stuff within that. Um, this past year, I've added uh, 55 SKUs, which for us is, you know, that's a lot because um, you know, again, one of our selling points is we're not going to sell anything that we don't use on our own cars. So we're not just kind of, you know, scratching around AliExpress or Alibaba, finding stuff and just rebadging it. You know, everything we we sell is manufactured by us or for us to our specifications. Um, all the lights we sell are CE rated, so they can be sold in Europe. Um, so we try and kind of address the quality side of things up front. You know, we'll never ever design something to to a budget, never. It's always to you know a specific requirement in terms of functionality and quality first, and then we negotiate price. But we never start out at that point. Interesting. Okay, so so that the, the first five years were kind of a little bit slower, and so that made that that, that prompts my my next question because I was going to mm -hmm. talk about you know Crystal decided to leave her full time gig in 2018. So that's you know when things really start to kind of ramp up. You know, it's getting to the point. It sounds like maybe you could tell the story. You know, where it's it's getting too much to handle as kind of a as kind of a part time for both of you. So, tell us about that to, for her to decide to kind of take that leap to go now full time into the business while you were still working the day job full time. Yeah, there's been a couple of sort of pivotal moments, and there's obviously a dynamic, right? When you when you're running a business with your your wife or your partner. Um, you know, I remember one evening, probably 2014 or something. We've been up until you know midnight packing pockets i guess and you know fighting with the you know the crappy dell printer to print off envelopes whatever we were doing right and we we kind of looked at each other and said you know you know do we want to commit to this because it's going to suck um and at that point we decided yes so we, we committed to it and you know we, we invested a bit more money in different printers and a bit more technology and stuff like that um and then come 2018 so we were both working for the same company um and they had been acquired by uh, a vc um, it was on different terms to what my future held a couple of years later, but um, she was the marketing director of the company, but kind of ready, you know, it sort of run its course. I think she'd been there for a long, long time, um, but it was time to, to exit. So, you know, she was, she left on good terms. She came over to Abstract Ocean full time and now heads up, you know, most of the, the customer side of things. So obviously the customer service, the shipping fulfillment, all that sort of stuff, the day-to-day -day operations is, it's her responsibility and um yeah she loves it it's uh you know it's she never never did work a nine-to-five job you know when you're in marketing or communications that, that kind of you know ebbs and flows um and this this is the same right some some days are easy some days are rough you know yes just yesterday AWS had a huge outage which completely wiped our warehouse off the grid so um you know you're constantly fighting different battles um so it's interesting but yeah so she she quit in 2018 and then I guess rounding it out, my company um, got acquired by uh, an equity investment company probably a year or two ago, towards the end of 2018 it was, but um, they kept their fingers out until about a year ago, and then they very much got stuck in and and just changed the personality of the company. You know, it's, it's very sad to see, but it wasn't the company I hired into back in um, late 2014. 
um, it was definitely time to go. And if I'm being honest, I probably should have quit earlier to invest my own time into my own business rather than somebody else's. But it's such a great safety net to have, right? And, you know, obviously I'm not, um, I'm not an American by birth. So the whole concept of health insurance is completely alien to me and something I've had to learn pretty quickly since, since quitting. But um, just, you know, the dependency on having a, a regular nine to five job, whatever that means these days is, is sort of in your blood to some extent. So it's very difficult to break out of that habit. It took me a while, too long, I think. We see, yeah, we see that a lot too. And you talk about when we we're prepping for the show too. But you mentioned just it's hard to leave just the emotional part too, in terms of just the, the the people that you meet and those relationships that you have. So those people that you work with for a while, um, and you know, so it takes some time. But yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? So here you are, and you you're eight years into the to the side hustle, the side gig, and even then, it's still hard to do, right? And, 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 you know, it becomes tough. What's, what's funny is, you know, you know, Jack and I work with a lot of family companies where they have a lot of, you know, siblings, spouses working together. And so, so you and Crystal had a chance to not only, you worked together at the prior company too. So you worked there, plus you had the side gig. Okay. So you guys were, it was literally 24 seven. It was a question of which business are we talking about? Are we talking about, you know, well, I guess, is there any personal stuff in there? I guess it's all, it's why I call business all the time, right? And start to try, try to seek some fun in there at some point, kind of, you know, enjoy, you know, each other too. Yeah, you have to make a conscious effort to try and break away. And, you know, we do, right? We have date nights and stuff like that just to sort of force it more than anything. But, um, you know, to some extent, you know, we've, we've, as you say, you know, we worked for the same company before. We'd go home, we'd talk about that company every now and then, but at least we'd have context. And now we have lots of context because we both work for Abstract Ocean. We know kind of everything about everything on the business side. So um, it's a, again, it's a shared passion, right? So it is a job at the end of the day, it, it sort of pays the mortgage, but it is still a shared passion as well. So there is, you know, genuine mutual interest in, in driving it forward. Right. Well, so, so let's talk about that. So, you know, so again, you know, the, the whole idea of setting this thing up as kind of a hobby, a side thing, you know, you set up a company a certain way. And so let's talk about, you know, over the last couple of years now, some of the, the, the challenges you've been kind of going through in terms of just kind of shifting now to where it's going to be a full-time piece. So, I think if, if I recall correctly, people, one of those first big cha- big changes was going from the two of you doing the fulfillment, like you're describing, right? Here you are between, you know, your, your, your living room, your garage, whatever it might be, where the two of you are the, are the fulfillment house, but then going to a third party where you're, you're starting to kind of have somebody else start to kind of do that. Was, was that one of the first big changes that, that you guys made in order to kind of, you know, help this thing start to kind of grow? I think so. We made some um, sort of investments in some of the technology platforms that run the business and on the back end early on. So, you know, when, obviously when we were starting the business back in um, 2012, 2013, you know, you don't necessarily make a selection based on where you think the business is going to be in 10 years because we didn't even think it was a business, right? It was just a hobby. So, you know, the e-commerce platform we chose back then wasn't the right one for us today. Um, the customer support system we chose back then definitely wasn't the right one for us today. So we've evolved that. We spent more money. You know, we've moved from Big commerce to Shopify Plus, you know, I should have done that a long time ago. Um, I just didn't. Um, on the customer support side, you know, we've kind of gone through a few different systems to reach one we've got to today, which has a lot of automation in it as well. So that helps kind of our efficiency in dealing with things. Um, and then, yeah, you know, we, you know, the, the business was running out the house. Then we built the office I'm studying right now, which is just like a essentially a 2,500 square foot man cave in the backyard, which became our warehouse and production facility. Um, that was at the beginning of 2020. By the middle of 2020, we were outgrowing this. And this is a consequence of having to grow our offering as well, right? You know, it's it's all great when you're selling little rubber key fob holders that you, you literally can't damage them unless you set them set them on fire. So it's easy to ship, costs next to nothing, takes up no storage space. 
But when you get into spoilers and your know, other big components, um, it takes up a lot of space and you're going to outgrow you know, your, your facility pretty quickly. So that's what we did. So kind of about halfway through 2020, I started talking about 2021 being a, a year of 3PL and, and Crystal, my wife, would just kind of giggle at me and just, you know, humor me like she, she always does. Um, but as it turns out, 2021 was the year of 3PL. We outsourced um, to a local warehouse in August of this year. Um, it's been a bumpy ride. Um, if, if you've ever dug into to that world, um, there's so many horror stories. So I don't know if it has a, any better or worse than those, those horror stories. But either way, we got through, you know, the recent Black Friday, Cyber Monday, more or less unscathed, which is probably all we can hope for. And that was always the intent, right? The August kind of go live was set. So that we'll be you know, settled for the, the big holiday rush. Um, but that's good. You know, um, you know, it's not sustainable. You can't scale the business if you're doing your own picking and packing as, as, as nice as the, the setup was here. So now we've outsourced that, that gives us just capacity to grow even more. So my whole life this past month with all the logistics challenges and Chinese New Year and the Olympics coming up and stuff like that, is just ordering more ordering more products to get it ready so we can get it in stock before um you know before the the chinese new year sets in shuts everything down for a month or two right okay and then you mentioned evolution too you know it was interesting that the, the the competition was very friendly as you're describing early on right hey here we are selling each other's products on the sites and again it was it was more about mm -hmm. the folks who were passionate about trying to do the right things and then once 18 hit these last three years it, it's all of a sudden become very different and so you, you talked about you know some Chinese competitors or you got folks who are producing and shipping directly. And also, yeah, you've got a lot of folks who are not paying attention to this market because all of a sudden it's exploding, you know, not just with Tesla, but obviously with other EVs, you know, you know, kind of there as well, but, you know, just from a Tesla standpoint, things are starting to kind of explode. And so the ways you're approaching your competition now sound like they're very different from what they were in the past. And I, I, I'm curious if some of those early competitors who were more friendly, if they were, um, uh, maybe got fed up with it and kind of, you know, gave up, you know, cause it was just a hobby for them or, or, you know, are they much like you and Crystal also, Hey, they're saying, no, we're going to go full-time try to make this thing happen too. I'd be curious some of the evolution of, of the competition that you've seen here in the last, uh, the last couple of years. Yeah. It's super interesting. And I, I, I forgot to mention earlier, you know, we did the Amazon uh, fulfillment route as well for a couple of years. So we, we sort of, you know, started the, the bulk part of the business on, on Amazon and we got out of there at the end of 2018 as well. And that's kind of where we took this, sort of strategic decision to focus on the brand um, and, you know, the equity of our brand versus just selling on Amazon where you're just one of many, right? You're a commodity. Um, and it was, at the time, it was a difficult choice because, you know, as we all know, you order from Amazon and as long as they're not having an outage, you get your stuff the next day. Um, you know, everything's great. But that's where the competition is as well. Our listings will get hijacked by Chinese ripoffs and stuff like that. And it just became such a burden kind of managing the overhead of, of selling on Amazon that, we thought, no, we'll just double down and focus on our own brand. That's when we started to redevelop the website and so on. Um, and we see that in some of our competitors as well. You know, we're still friendly with most of them. There's a couple that kind of go their own way. That's, that's fine. Um, but we still get along really well with the others. You know, again, at, at the heart of it, at least for, you know, the North American and some European companies we, get, we work with, you know, they're still Tesla fanatics first and foremost, right? The business in almost every case actually has just been a spin-off of, again, a hobby. Um, which is great. So we sort of share that kind of that, that passion. Um, the flip side, of course, is, you know, Tesla are, are pretty huge now in China. Obviously, they have their gigafactory down there as well. Um, so there's a lot of competition from, from China. They can ship into Europe for two or three bucks, whereas you just cannot do that from, from North America. So that's a real challenge for us at the moment that we're trying to figure out. 
Um, you know, whether we open a warehouse in, in Europe or the UK or somewhere, don't know. That's, you know, that's one of the options we're looking at. But it's definitely something we need to address. And I think that, um, you know, talking from other to other mentors, they, mentors, they all say, well, do you really need Europe? Because, you know, it's about 20, 25 percent of our business. Um, but, you know, that's where my heart is. And I can't just kind of just cut it off just because it's not 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 necessarily as profitable as, as North America. You know, it's important that we offer this global service. We've set out to do that from day one. Um, we've set out to make it as frictionless as possible, um, given the constraints of tax and duty and, you know, all that good stuff. But, you know, we, we try really hard. So that's something we're going to try and, you know, figure out some more in, <clears throat> as we go into 2022 so we can make that experience even better. I can tell you, your mind's always going, right? So you kind of, you know, oh, thoughts yeah. are here. And I'm, I'm trying to picture you before August of 2021 when you're working, you know, the full-time gig plus doing this. So, you know, you've been um, doing this full-time now for, for about four months and give people a sense in terms of how different is it in terms of, you know, again, you were putting in 40, 50 hour weeks with your day job and you're probably doing the same thing with, with this. So how's that, how's that evolved here in the last four months since you've gone full-time with this? Yeah, I can't even figure it out, if I'm honest with you. Um, you know, the this, this saying nature abhors a vacuum. So I guess, you know, when I finally quit the day job, you know, in theory, that released 40 plus hours a week. Um, it's not like, a, you know, I, I didn't suddenly feel a huge sense of relief while I sat on the couch, you know, again, watching Netflix. It's, it immediately got absorbed. Um, and that was kind of one of my goals um, to try and, you know, move the needle on the business. Because if I can't do that kind of, for, you know, the rest of this year, then maybe I have to jump back into corporate America next year. And, you know, the longer I'm out of it, the, the, the less I want to do that, um, which makes me even more motivated to, to make a go of it. So Amen um, to that. that's good. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, for me personally, every day is the same now. There's really no difference between a, you know, a Monday and a Thursday and a Sunday. Um, I do know when I had my day job, you know, I used to dread Sunday nights. It was like being back at school when you hadn't done your homework and you knew you had, <laughs> had to hand it in on Monday morning. And I, I had done my homework first for the job, but, um, you know, you just know you're going into these relentless meetings. And so I don't miss that. You know, I, I do love having far more productive time. You know, I have meetings, obviously, but it's an hour or two a day versus, you know, six or seven hours a day, which is what it turned into, especially, you know, when you're working from home on COVID, you know, you're constantly on on teams or zoom or google you know whatever it is so i don't miss any of that i just feel like the time i am investing is just more productive than than it ever was before good and you really seem to be enjoying yourself that 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 really comes through and so now you have that <coughs> chance like you said you're, you're trying to move the needle and try to grow so you're almost a decade into this thing and so as you maybe have a chance to kind of sit back and look and think about your next maybe five to ten years with this you know what do you what are you seeing in terms of uh, the, the the potential future here for Abstract Ocean? You know, do, do you see growing beyond Tesla? Again, you, you touched on this, but you know, I want you to kind of touch on it again. Do you see growing beyond Tesla to other EV stuff, or kind of what do you see doing? It's a great question. It's one that's always asked, and you know, we got lucky. We picked the right horse. You know, as you say, ten years ago, which makes it sound so long ago, um, in picking Tesla. Right? You know, no one thought they would succeed. Absolutely nobody, um, and they did. And you know, we've we've benefited on the back of that, which is fantastic. Um, and it goes back to this, you know, follow your passion. Um, you know, some of the other EVs out there that are coming out, they look great. You know, the Rivian looks great. You know, fantastic design. You know, not going to be mass manufactured until maybe the middle of 2022 at the earliest, but fantastic design. There's so many startups out there, but I can't keep track of them all. You know, I'm just one person. I don't have that same passion that I have for Tesla. Um, you know, their mission was always to bring, you know, sustainable energy uh, in, in kind of, 
any form of transport as a guest, as it turns out. But, you know, they're achieving that. And I don't think that any of the other major OEMs would have got to where they are today had it not been for, you know, testing that screw repeatedly and just taking market share from them until they sort of sat up and listened. Um, so, so I think our passion will always be with Tesla. Um, that said, you know, it's, it's a slightly risky strategy to have all your eggs in one basket. So, you know, end of Q1 next year, I plan to launch a, another business that really has nothing to do with, well, it has nothing to do with automotive at all, but hopefully it learns from everything I've learned in the last decade, um, uh, you know, in terms of product sourcing and platform development and stuff like that. Because if I knew what I knew now, 10 years ago, I don't know if the if the business would be you know exponentially more successful, but it would have been great to know that stuff. So I just want to try again in a different market and just see see where that goes. I feel bad, Jack. I think we're off this call off the podcast today. Pete's going to go to this Christmas. Man, man, I feel I'm feeling old today. Right. Also, talking about decades. Of that, like also, he's starting to realize, you know, you know how, how quickly kind of time passes. You got to go through these things. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a, a quick question for us. I don't think we we touched on this. You know. The name, Abstract Ocean. You know, what's the story behind that? And you know, because again, it, it has nothing to do with Tesla. I mean, but you know, talk about that naming and and you know, maybe the, the goods and bads of that. Yeah, and this is how uncommitted we were to, to any form of strategy when we bought the website. So, you know, back then, this was probably 2011 when we acquired the the name. Um, again, just me and Crystal sat down, just looked for essentially any website that had two um, dictionary words that shoved together and made something vaguely logical. And that, that was it. So I have no cool backstory for it. Um, <laughs> it makes no sense, certainly not in the Tesla world, but you know, on reflection, you know, a lot of the earlier websites started out with Tesla in their name or, you know, variations of that. And they've all been sent, you know, letters from Tesla saying you can't do that anymore. So, um, you know, having this crazy ambiguous name that at the time we thought, well, maybe we'll use it for consulting or something. Um, you know, this is where it ended up, but it turned out to be to our advantage. And um, yeah, that's that's it. There's no cool backstory. I should invent one for sure. Well, you got time. It's all right. That's part of it. You just kind of go through. It's like it's like when Jack, Jack, um, you know, when he he left corporate America about age 39, age 40, and people ask him now, well, you know, what was it? Right? He goes, well, I, I can make up a story now. He goes, it really wasn't much of a story. Just yeah, it was it was time, you know, or, or whatever it was. But he said, yeah, as, as the time goes by, you kind of create more stories, right, Jack? That kind of fill in that's some right. of those blanks. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say this, you know, it, it's, you know, really appreciate you come on the show today to, to, to kind of to share your story with us, Pete, because I, I think it's be very inspirational for, for, for many folks who are struggling with, with, with the idea of either, you know, can I do it on my own, you know, can I have my own business, you know, how do I start my own business, you know, where is it, whereas for most of us, it's probably somewhere, like to your point, it's something that if you have an interest outside of your, your day job, well, there's probably a way to perhaps start to kind of monetize those types of things. And it's it's great to kind of see you as as I can, you know, I can see you thinking as, as you're talking, you can see the future. And it seems like the idea of having to go back to corporate America is one of those um, good motivators for you. But again, just listen to you talking, kind of how you're thinking about stuff. You know, I'll put down a, you know, a bold prediction here that uh, there, there's no chance for you to go back to get a job anywhere else that you're, you're starting I guess later in life, from the standpoint of kind of doing your own thing, but again, this is a, a rebirth for you. And, and you know, as far as I can tell, the next several decades will be you having a lot of different fun. You know, starting with Abstract Ocean, but again, like you said, you're already on to, you, you, to, to your second uh, uh, e-commerce company that, that you're looking to start. You know, you know in early 2022, and I, I bet if we have you back on a year or two from now, you probably have two or three more companies to kind of go. Just again, it seems like that's kind of how you are, and, and you and you're really enjoying it. And it's not like, again, it's not like it's work. Again, you're always going to work hard, as you kind of talk about. It. That's kind of been your nature since day one. The key is now doing it for yourself and, and, and doing it in ways you don't have to worry about a lot of the uh, the bureaucracy and things maybe you had to worry about before. 
Um, and, and again, the fact that you have a great partner and is also your spouse, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I grew up with my, my parents working together. I thought it was, it was just normal. Um, it seemed like, you know, it's more unusual. So it, it, the fact that the two of you have done so well, you know, not only working together in your day job, but also with this, that speaks well of, of your <clears> relationship <throat> as well. And just, you know, I think the potential future that you guys have as well. So it's fantastic to be able to hear this story. Re really enjoy it. Yes, Very much so. I'll, I'll, I'll quietly uh, say yes. You know, you got a great story there, Pete. Thank you. So yeah, so that's um, that's Pete White, Abstract Ocean, and we'll we'll put links to to to, to his website, you know, as you know, as part of the notes here. Um, if Pete has more updates, he'll he'll, he'll be sending along. You know, be sure to be sure to, to to follow them online to see what's kind of going on for, the, for these new announcements. That, you know, especially if you're into Tesla. Uh, I'm sure this is a good place to, to be able to kind of start to learn more about it, kind of see what it's about, maybe catch uh, catch that passion or, or, or you know that those folks have become become part of that Tesla tribe. So, uh, but uh, thanks for listening to uh, to this week's edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. If you missed any of our prior shows, you can get them all at DirtySecretsOfSmallBusiness.com. Uh, better yet, if you have a smart device, you can go to your favorite podcast player and search for Dirty Secrets of Small Business and subscribe to it. We typically uh, drop a new episode every Thursday, so you can, you, can, you can get it delivered straight to your phone. If you have some questions for us, you can feel free to email us at radio at MaximumVP.com or you give us a call at 877-849-0670. Thanks again for joining us on the show today, and we'll be talking with you all next week. <laughs>